Those two uh, gentlemen would love to present you now uh, a tad bit about broadcasting of pager messages worldwide over Iridium satellite. This is of specific interest to me because uh, that uh, is a widely used on oceans to communicate with drones and autonomous vehicles. So let's see what I learned from this talk and I hope you learned something as well. Have fun with Zach and Schneider. Right, thanks for coming out here and we only have half an hour so this will be rapid fire of slides and we will publish everything we have after this talk so um, don't be afraid if you don't get everything right now. So what is this talk about? It's about Iridium pagers. Um, this is one example and yes, the talk is called Hacking Iridium pagers and we actually did that. <laughs> we had a look at Iridium pagers but uh, and we also found interesting stuff. I mean, maybe some of you are familiar with the Calypso chipset used in GSM phones. This seems to be predating that thing and it's inside Iridium pages. But really, we focused on... Thank you. The air interface to Iridium satellites. This is an Iridium satellite. It um, flies across the Earth and it sends down lots of interesting things. Part of them are Iridium pager messages. And why would you look at Iridium pagers now? Well, the interesting thing about Iridium pagers is that they are completely passive. The Iridium network does not need to know where or a pager is exactly. It only needs to know roughly where it is. There are maybe eight zones in the US and country-wise in uh, Europe, and there are even larger zones for message delivery. For example, half of Europe or something like that. You could travel around in Europe and always receive Iridium pager messages. Why is this interesting? Now, given the talk yesterday, you know that basically anyone with access to SS7 can track cell phones. Do you want to be tracked? I don't think so. Do you want to be notified if something happens and you get that message basically instantly? I guess so. Iridium pagers are an option to do that. Now, some basics about the Iridium network. It needs at least 66 active satellites. They're in low Earth orbit. They're constantly circling the Earth. You can see a satellite for roughly eight minutes at a time when it comes up at the horizon and goes down at the horizon again. And uh, uh, orbits go over the poles. So you have absolute global coverage with Iridium. Iridium is located somewhere between GPS and GSM. Um, you can see that the Iridium frequency span is quite narrow. It's just about um, 10 megahertz. You, compared with GSM, it's nothing. It's, it's not a lot. So you can capture the whole Iridium um, the frequency span with a single SDR with no, no trouble. The, the band itself is partitioned in a lot of sub-bands and lots of them are used for transmitting voice and data communication, all of that stuff. But there are also some special um, channels in the upper part, which are potentially only downlink from the satellite to Earth. And we are focusing on the primary messaging channel. This is used for Iridium pager messages. So one part of this talk is also that, you know, when we started working on this nine months ago while driving to some CCC um, event, we thought SDR, well, okay, we can try it and have a look at it, but this SDR stuff, isn't that really hard? Really hard math, and anyways, everything is encrypted anyways. But the thing is, 
why, so why even bother? But the thing is, um, it's not. All of these systems, a lot of these systems are unencrypted and SDR is not really that hard. I had some theoretical background from university. I've never applied it. It's years ago. And now looking back, I can say, you should look at SDR. You should look at satellite communications and everything, all of this stuff. It's not that hard. You just need persistence, a little bit of time, and you need to get used to your tools. But the tools are so available now. For example, with the HackRF, you can generate signals, look at them, test your circuits, look at your tools, simulate stuff. It's really, really amazing. Now, <laughs> we thought, well, okay, if an Iridium pager can receive pager messages indoors, well, we can do it with an RTL SDR piece of wire, go outdoors and sniff something. Well, the thing is, that's not the case, really. Uh, <laughs> we had to learn it the hard way. We looked at lots of, uh, of uh, data and didn't see anything. So, luckily, at uh, Munich uh, CCC, we had some hardware available. It had some GSM daughter boards, and as you saw, GSM is kind of in the region of Iridium, and the daughter boards was, were um, capturing that frequency band, and we also had some quite wide band antenna which, with a good directivity, and we tried that. Now, turns out, that's also not really the ideal setup. You have to track these satellites, and we learned about circular polarization, which is not used by this antenna. It gives you less, less gain, and it's not optimal. So uh, we started throwing money at the problem and bought some proper Iridium antenna. You can just buy them. They're off the shelf. They cost around 50 euros if you buy them at Mauser or something like that. We also bought some blocks from mini circuits to um, block the GSM and uh, GPS signals and then an amplifier to boost the signal above the noise floor of our um, of our receiver. We didn't really know what we're doing. Really, I've just bought some blocks and well, we went to the roof with this stuff. Um, this is the roof of the Munich CCC, and we have the nice option to just go up there and do anything. Install antennas in the middle of the night and, well, work up there. And behold, we actually found something. Now, you can see two peaks here, and this is um, frequency versus power. Uh, you can see there are two distinctive peaks, and when you look these up from a frequency perspective, you see, okay, one of them is this ring alert, which is used to tell phones that there is a call for them, and the other one is the primary messaging channel. You can see the primary messaging channel is a little bit stronger than the ring alert because the satellites send it with more power, so the pagers can receive the pager messages indoors. You can also see that the peaks are, they're wide. The reason is that there's a lot of Doppler shift. When these satellites come up at the horizon and go down again, they change the, their speed uh, relate relative to you a lot, and that means that there's huge Doppler shifts and changes in frequency also. We didn't at that time really know how to cope with that, but well, there's a signal. All right. And we looked at it uh, in, in Bordline, and you can now see time versus frequency, and the color is power. Can you spot the signals? Can you spot a signal? Maybe, yes? So, so there's a lot in there, and if you zoom in, oh, there's at least three. So we zoom in more, and we see this. This is actually a signal from Iridium. It's an Iridium packet. And if you dissect this packet and you look at it and you search a few patterns and you realize, okay, there's a preamble and there's a unique word which uniquely identifies Iridium packets there. You can look for this specific unique word which is encoded in this part of the signal and say, yes, we found an Iridium packet. 
Then there comes a data section and something which we, after some time, figure out it must be some kind of lead out. It's always the same thing at the end of smaller packets. We don't know what it is, but it's always there. Now, if you massage the signal a little bit and you pre-process it, post-process it, you get to this kind of um, visualization of the packet. And you can see that there's the preamble, there's nothing going on. There's a unique word which is somehow boringly um, encoded. There's some um, entropy in there. But if you really look at the data section, you see that the signal starts to get very weird. And that's because they use two different kinds of modulation, basically, in these packets. Now, how much do you have to invest to sniff Iridium and get this kind of stuff? Well, you can go all out. You just buy an USRP B200. That's the cheapest one from Atos, 700 euros. You get just an antenna, 50 euros, and you end up at the 800 euro range. Maybe you want to buy an amplifier and then you get really good signals. Or you can go the cheap way. Actually, some of the RTL SDRs can go up into this frequency range at 1.6 gigahertz. You need an amplifier self-built antenna. I have some of these here. Um, I'm not sure if you can switch over to the GoPro, but you can buy these parts here just from Mauser. They are $5 or something like that. You solder on in the connector. No problem. This thing is as good as a commercial iridium antenna. You can also build your own amplifiers. This thing has a material price of around maybe five euros also. Not, not much money. And we still have to calibrate ourselves a little bit for the RTL SDRs, but you can really work with them. Now, we have the signals from space. What do we do with them? We have to decode them. And Sec is going to talk to you about how to look at these packets, how to make sense of them, and see what we can actually do with Iridium. <laughs> So we, we have these signals, and then you start searching the internet for information about them, and you find stuff like this. This is a slide of a Iridium Confidential slide deck, which is on the internet, and it says the uh, sniffing is probably beyond the reach of all but most of the determined adversaries, which is like, oh, I like to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> just we, we, we started to look at the signal. This is uh, um, the frequency of the received packets where we have signal over time. And there you can see the Doppler shift. We have the two channels, the ring alert and the messaging channel. And as the satellite flies over you, the frequency you see the packets at changes. And then you can go and pick one of the frequencies. Uh, and... Uh, use a simple toolkit to plot what you expect the satellites to be, where the satellites you expect to be, and it's a good match. At least uh, if you use like 5% uh, <laughs> lower light speed for the calculations. <laughs> but uh, it matches. Um, we, are, we have some tools written. Uh, this is a short overview. There's a, one tool that's called Runner, which just basically captures the data from the USRP and writes it into a big file. Then there's, uh, uh, which Schneider wrote, the det detector, which goes over the file uh, and looks where the signal is high enough, so we receive something and cuts it into small little pieces. And then there's uh, the cut and down mix, which uh, conditions the signal, does some signal magic, <laughs> and outputs the signal mix down to the baseband. Uh, 
And the demodulator, just, just uh, the QPSK demodulation, the iridium signal is QPSK modulated most of the time. There's a part which is BPSK modulated, but if you just stuff it through a QPSK demodulator, it still works. <laughs> you just get a little bit extra bits. Um, so then you get bits after running these tools, and you can stare at them. I replaced all the zeros by underscores because then you can see the differences between zeros and ones better. Uh, you, if you sort them by length, you can see a little bit of structure. And then you can keep staring at them and you notice you can't find any better structure. That's like, okay, this big block of ones, but the other stuff really doesn't make sense. And you realize that there is maybe uh, some error correction on it. And you search the internet for information and you find, yay, you found a document that says it's convolutional error correcting code with rate three-fourths and k equals seven. And you look for more documents, and you find another document, and another document, and another document. Guess what Iridium uses? Nope. <laughs> this is wrong. We spent three and a half months looking for the stuff, writing code, nothing worked out. Finally, when we ran out of ideas, we started sending ourselves messages with lots of Ps, and then a Q in there, so flip one bit, flip another bit with an R, or flip a bit in a different position, and then the differences between the signals, and just note them down, which bits flip, how many bits flip, and stare at them for a long time. And like three months later, as I said, you realize there is, at this stage, no error correction code. It's just interleaving or scrambling. They just sort the bits a different way. It's, uh, if you go and write them into the boxes from the bottom right to the top left this way and read them out this way, then you get the better bits. They look like this. And as I said, we send packets with big Ps. Uh, and now you can look at them and try to see if you see them. Replace the zeros by underscores. Maybe you can see them now. Yes, here they are. Uh, if you look at the signal like this, uh, sorry, uh, then you see there's some bits in between. So there's probably still some error correction. The most probable thing is the read Solomon or BCH code. Uh, you go to the Wikipedia page and read all the stuff because you have never heard about it. And you realize that there has to be a generator polynomial. Yay. <laughs> And uh, the, the math to, generate, to, to, to build one for a specific case is tiresome and not really easily understandable. But if you look at it really hard, you realize it's just an n-digit binary number, one digit longer than the checksum is. And we had 12 bits possible for the checksum, so brute forcing 12 bits is, well, two seconds. Just try it on your packets and you notice, yay, the number 1897 matches for most of our packets. So we found the BCH checksum, which is this polynomial, and it turns out one of the bits is not actually part of the BCH checksum, but it's a parity bit. I don't know why they use it, it error code and then a parity bit, but they do. And if you know what it is, then you can search on the internet and find one document that says, yay. <laughs> Um, so the packet layout is...
The packet layout is like this. There's, uh, uh, a descrambling block is uh, 64 bits long, and it contains two, part, two times the same part after each other. It's the payload, the checksum, and the parity bit. The first bit is separate because it is part of the checksum as normal, but most of the packet structures we found do not actually use this bit. As you can see, the P's do not use this, the, the message part does not use this bit. I don't know why, but it is, that's it. Um, then uh, uh, we take a look at the decoded message. So we have the bit stream now, and uh, removed all the checksums, and we have just bits. And then you try to find out what the format is. And this is an example packet, it's a pager message packet. Uh, so you have some fields, uh, the block, the frame, and the group number, which tell us where inside the bigger Iridium protocol uh, uh, the packet is. That's, if you want to read the message, it's not really important. It's important for the pager, which only wakes up every 20 seconds and tries to know when it has to wake up next. There's a length information in there. There is a, there's some fields that are always zero. There's a field that we still do not know. Actually, in the last few days, it is a checksum, but I have not really realized how it's calculated. But you can kind of see bit flips mirrored in there. Uh, you have other stuff like the message index. A pager message that is longer than about 60 characters gets up, split up in multiple packets. This is the most convoluted way to specify how many packets there are in the message that I've ever seen. So this message is part two of two packets. So they start with a one bit to tell you, yes, it is more than one message. Then you use four bits to specify how many bits you need to encode how many packets there will be. So it needs one bit. Then we have two times one bit, which says it is the second message of two in this case. If you just write the numbers directly in the stream, it would be shorter. But if they want to do it, they can do it. Then we have a checksum over the complete message and a sequence number, which is used by the pager to know if it missed a message or if it's the same message again. So it can tell you, oh, you received a message, but you have missed one in between because the pager has no back channel, and if it misses a message, it's gone. So uh, the rest of the packet is not very interesting. It contains the message. Uh, the, if the message is complete, but the packet is longer, it's filled up with ASCII 3, which is end of text, and uh, the descrambling block is 46, uh, 64 bits long and is filled up with one bits if it's not used. Um, so this is the new overview of the tools. After the demodulator, there's a script called Iridium Parser, which tries to parse a message into this nice class diagram and has basically messages uh, that contain pager messages or just meta information and also a first attempt at parsing the ring alert channel messages that is not yet completely complete. Um, about the timeline, we started, as Schneider said, nine months ago. Uh, we were driving to uh, the Easter egg. I was driving to the Easter egg with a friend who had one of those pages, and we were thinking, well, this is old and maybe not encoded and interesting. And 
as you do, you just sit around and talk about it. And uh, uh, a little bit later, the second person said, oh, that's interesting, which was Schneider. And we started really doing stuff and went out and bought the antenna. And uh, about a month later, we finally got our first signal. That was a real boost. Uh, then we tried to do something with the signal. We did this in GNU Radio, uh, GNU Radio Companion. The, unfortunately, it turns out it's GNU Radio Companion is really well suited for continuous signals. But as you saw, the iridium packets are really short. And well, we had no prior knowledge and we didn't get anywhere with GNU Radio. We just dumped the signal out in a file and started writing our own tools to work with it. Then we spent three and a half months staring at bits until we realized, no, there is no k equals seven error correction code. And like three days after we realized that, we had the first bits. And now we're at Congress. Uh, and we can, well, read the pager messages and read some of the ring alert channel. We have some statistics. Uh, we have one receiver uh, at our hackerspace, which captures whatever comes down since we started. We've seen 119 unique recipients. The number one recipient receives 16% of the messages. The first five is about half of the traffic. Um, what you see is most of the traffic is uh, encrypted, some base 64 strings or similar. Uh, we have no idea what that actually is. We, we've made some attempts to look at the, the encoded message, but it's just binary garbage. Then, then we have about 16% of a person we won't name here. <laughs> about 12% is messages containing the word test or one, two, three, or something like that. About 3% call me, call me back urgently. 4% uh, kind of military nature. It's like call Sergeant Andrews back immediately or sit rep at 800 or something like that or raise your antenna higher we can't read you <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh, if you want to know more about those uh, come meet us back later and uh, uh, about six percent regular messages like oh the weather is fine or i got my internship yesterday um, so, there's still lots of stuff to do. Uh, we still haven't decoded the whole protocol yet. There's also voice communication. There's a few gotchas, like the algorithm, there's a, supposedly some security there. Uh, what we found in the documentation is they use A3 for authentication security. They say authentication security, that makes me think, Okay, the voice is probably not secured, but we don't know. And they use a voice codec, which is a proprietary MB family voice codec. We don't know anything about it. But uh, the Osmo GMR people are quite knowledgeable. So we, we have contacted them and we might try to look at this further. There's also a, a part called chart burst data, which transmits data over the Iridium signaling channel. Uh, there are more modern pager-like things which can talk back to the satellites, which do, which do not use the pager channel to transmit the messages, uh, but this short burst data channel. We have not, not really an idea where it actually is, but we haven't looked at it. But that's 
should be interesting too. It's also used for aircraft communication, uh, stuff like also like Inmarsat. Uh, if you remember the stuff about the missing plane, and they said, oh, there was this last ping. Iridium does something similar too, but there's not much documentation out there. And then there's circuit switch data over Iridium, uh, but we haven't looked at that. Uh, and we're already coming to an end of the talk. Uh, we will be holding, uh, having an SDR workshop for noobs, uh, for people who have no idea about SDR and we want to show it's really not that hard to get started. Um, it will be in 30 minutes in Hall 13. Bring your laptop. If you have GNU Radio installed, it's good, but you don't need it. We have a virtual box installation. If you're interested about the SDR anymore, there is an SDR corner near Kauswelle, uh, which is, I think, near Hall 2. Uh, we also have some equipment at our assembly, like an USRP B200 and a network analyzer, a portable one. The code is on GitHub. That's actually a lie. It's not yet on GitHub, but I will push it after the talk. Uh, and uh, this is a call out to all of you. There is a document called the Iridium System Specification or the Iridium Radio Link Protocol Specification. If anyone happens to have it lying around somewhere, we would really be interested in acquiring this. That would make our life quite a bit easier. Uh, there, is our, there are our email addresses and our PGP fingerprints. We, are, we will ask no questions if any of those documents are in our inbox. Uh, also, any other documentation that you might stumble across that is not as public as the rest. And I think that's the end of our talk. Thank you. I, I think we have two minutes left. Yeah, we have even three or four so, minutes left. Uh, so, if you have any uh, questions. Queue up fast behind the microphones, and while you do that, is there a question from the internet? One. Awesome. Please, let us hear the question from the internet. Okay, I have to just... Um, question for the speakers. Anything about the legal side of making the pager stream available over the internet? Uh, the, the data is sent down from the satellites, unencrypted, everywhere. You don't have to send something to the satellite, you just have to listen. So I don't think actually listening to it is illegal. I don't know if rebroadcasting it would be a problem. I, I don't think we're going to do that. Yeah, the tools we, we don't are plan there. that. The tools are out there. You can listen to it. We're not planning on, 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 on publishing uh, the, the, this data we receive any further. But if you capture your own, you can work with it. Yeah. So we have the station in Munich. And it captures basically everything for Germany. You set up another station somewhere in Germany, you get the same thing. If, it's your decision if you want to broadcast anything. So, microphone number three, please ask a short question. Yeah, uh, just a remark. Our <coughs> foreign intelligence agency says uh, stuff that they intercept from the satellites is actually intercept in space where German law doesn't apply. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Frank. I mean, you could argue, well, these things are out there in space, and is it, are they owned by someone? 
Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> so on microphone two. Hello? Oh, okay. Um, how do you actually send those messages? Because uh, this oh, is just oh. a pager, so you, yeah. you send them uh, through the internet? Or? <laughs> That's a very, totally very good Sorry. question. And uh, the interesting thing is that if you have a number of a pager, pagers have numbers, it's associated to their contract, you go to a website of Iridium, the company, you type in that number, you type in your message, you hit send. So That's you can it. basically It's spam? free for you to send messages. The as long receiver. as you have a valid number, yeah. you can send messages. And if it's not a valid number, the web form will tell you. <laughs> and, and, and they're seven digits long. Please remember, all of this stuff is going through US uplinks. And please also remember, anyone can read that. So. It's completely unencrypted. So are there any more questions from the signal angel? No. No, no further questions. There, there's something. Oh yeah, no. microphone yeah. five. five. You're five. winking so nice. Yeah. Maybe I go I, ahead. Maybe I missed it in the protocol, but uh, is it possible to, to see what uh, number was actually paged in the message? Uh, the the. The air interface uses a radio identifier code. We, we can't map the radio identifier code to a number back. That's done by the, the company somewhere. Well, not it, yet. Who knows what's happening yeah. on these other channels? Yeah. As far as we know, so you can identify, okay, it's a message to the same person again, but you don't know the number unless you send him something and like a one-time token and see, oh, this number is this radio identifier code. Or you just, if you have a pager, there's a manual where you can read the radio identifier code if you want to. Okay, last question. Microphone five. five again. Okay, only one short. Okay, now it works. Only one short question. Did you try creating packages to page the pager you have? We did not yet try that. It, the, creating a correct packet is not difficult. Uh, the thing that may be a little bit uh, problematic is, as I said, the pager, to save power, only wakes up every 21 seconds to listen to the satellite, which tells him that there will be a message and he has to listen at another point to actually get the message. And you probably have to get that packet correct to get the message to the pager, but it should be probably be doable in like two days of try and error and coding. Yes, and it's no question of signal strength. You will easily overpower the satellite. Yeah, sure. Okay, thank you. Thank you for this awesome talk and Q&A. Um, I would like you to clear the rows now because the next talk is coming up shortly. And